Welcome to Rivals Podcast. I'm Jacob Siciliano alongside me, Nolan Hamilton, and we're back. After taking a couple months off for the summer, we're back here to break down anything Chicago news, sports. We've missed quite a bit over the last three, four months. So Nolan and I today, we're just going to take a recap and kind of catch up with the news that's spread this summer and what's gone on. Obviously, since we've been back, major changes have happened for at least two Chicago teams. Obviously, one really good with the Bulls and the other side, not so great with the Chicago Cubs. May Anthony Rizzo ever rest in my heart. <laughs> but for the Bulls, things have been looking really good, Nolan. Yeah, so the Bulls have been a team that's kind of been on the rise in Chicago. They started off last year with kind of hiring the new front office, getting rid of Gar Foreman and, uh, and John Paxton, which was such a big, like, it kind of cleaned out the toxicness in Chicago. We got a new front office, put everything to work. And people weren't sure how it worked. And then stuff happened. We trade for Nikola Vucevic, and then we have two all-stars with him and Zach Levine. But this summer, the Bulls made the moves. We got point guard Lonzo Ball, who was – the Bulls tried to acquire the deadline. Couldn't happen. Second free agency started. We signed Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball. Apparently, they're being investigated for tampering, which I don't think is going to go anywhere. But we've been investigated by the NBA for tampering. And we also got three-time All-Star DeMar DeRozan. Those two guys are going to help this team so much. And looking at them now, they really could be championship contenders with the right with the right production from players, if production keeps on going up, and with the right luck. The, the team looks good. They're built right, and they're coached well. I don't think a Bulls fan right now, two years ago, could imagine us being in this spot at all. It's a great time to be a Bulls fan, but I could tell you what team it's not time to be a good fan of. Yeah, Cubs. The dynasty is officially over. You know, I feel like the last five years or so, we've talked about the window, right? That's been of concern ever since really the Cubs started making moves all the way back in 2015, right? It's how long is this window going to last? Can the Cubs become a dynasty, right? You can't really be a dynasty with one World Series, right? Right. So the Cubs never became a dynasty. I, I'm just throwing that out right now. They had a great year. Right. But they're nothing more than the 2015 Royals. Right. Mm -hmm. So the window is officially closed. Like that's it. At the beginning, I remember in, I believe it was June, maybe it was earlier in May, you and I were talking and we had a, a kind of running joking bet, right, about the Cubs. And I was saying it's time to tear it down. And you said, give it one last go. And then the press release came out and the Cubs were pretty much saying, you know what? We are going to give this one last go. We're not selling the team. We're not trading down. We're going for this. And I was in full defeat to you, Nolan. I was, I was hopping on. I was like, all right, Cubs are first in the division. Things are looking up. And then – Things went south. And when yeah. things went south, things went south. Things really some went. of our players literally went south to the south side. <laughs> yeah. And, but really, it all started on Friday, June 25th against the LA Dodgers, which began, I believe it was the 10 game skid 
which tore this core apart. Which is hilarious because the, if you remember the night before that game, if I remember correctly, maybe it was two nights, but I think it was the night before, the Do- Cubs actually threw a no-hitter against the Dodgers. It was the night before. We threw a no-hitter, and then we dropped 10 straight right after. I don't think I've ever heard of a no-hitter where you lose confidence. Usually after no-hitter, you go on a little bit of a run. Not happening with this Cubs team. And to throw a no-hitter against the Dodgers, right? That was a, a four, that was a commanding 4 nothing win for the Cubs to start off the series, right? Against probably – if the Dodgers don't win the World Series, this is how I felt about, like, the Nets this year for basketball. If the Dodgers don't win it, it's just a waste of talent, right? Yeah. It, it's a waste of ta- – it is ridiculous how many studs they have on that team, right? But for the Cubs to beat them and throw a no-hitter, that's crazy, right? That's, that's awesome. But then, I mean – it's kind of unacceptable, right? And I don't know who to hold accountable. I think you partially have to hold David Ross accountable for that because you're allowed to lose games. It's baseball. Nobody is ever going to go 162-0 in baseball. Yeah, it, I, but I disagree with you about Rossi, though. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. I think Jed – I think a lot of this to blame is on Jed Hoyer, and a lot of this is to blame on external factors – because yeah, I I agree, I agree with external factors, right? But at the same time, it's your players are what's controlling. Them. It's not like if you look at it from a statistical standpoint, yeah, you might be right, right? Maybe David Ross made the right moves. Maybe putting in Ryan Tapera against the Brewers in a tie game was the right move. 4-4, right? He comes in and gives up four runs, and they blow the game, and the Brewers have a 10-run eighth inning to win the game 14 to four, you know, maybe, maybe statistically Ryan Tapera had an ERA sub two, maybe that was the right move, but something is not right. If you, your club drops 10 games straight. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you looked at this Cubs team, our expectation was the core is going to be the core. They're going to well. And guys will fall behind. Guys will get hot. Jack Peterson will have a few hot weeks and he'll have a few weeks where he cannot hit a baseball for his life. There's going to be guys like that. But this team should be okay. It should hold it together. But it depends what happens at the deadline. And that's what we said. Deadline, deadline, deadline. And the deadline, and it was a month for deadline. We are like, we'll probably be okay. Core will be around for at least till the end of the year. And then that streak happened and everything fell apart. And now you're looking at the end of that streak and now the comes are sellers. And then a few weeks later, the first the first thing fell. Um, Jock Peterson was traded for uh, Bryce Ball, which I actually thought was an excellent deal. We considering that we we were starting to rev up for the future. But what people were figuring when Jock went is that people are going to go, and then speculation started. Yeah, he was really the gateway into that whole series. And I'll admit, when I first saw Jock go. I was fine with it because we had Jock for yeah. it, right? Like, I was fine with it. But what scared me was seeing who we got in return, which I agree with you. Yeah, I think Ball is going to be a great player, right? He's a big power guy. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. guy is a monster. But his position is what scared me. Originally, I was fine. I was completely fine with Javi going, with Bryant going, with Kimbrel going. I'm fine with all those guys going. The two guys I wanted to stay were Rizzo and Contreras. That's all I wanted. I, I don't, as a Cubs fan, 
growing up, Rizzo has been like that one centerpiece for this entire team. He's been in with the bad, with the good. Rizzo's always been there. To see him go when he didn't want to go, that that really that was a heartstring tug for me personally. Speak, yeah, speaking of those heartstring tub, tr- uh, tugs, can't talk. With <laughs> Rizzo, I've been this summer before the deadline, I went to a lot of Cubs games. And I went at like really different times in the season. I went when they got really hot, when they swept the Cardinals. I was in that series, a few of those series. And then it went downhill and downhill and downhill. The last game I was at was maybe two weeks before the deadline, maybe a week. And people were sitting behind us as a whole family of kids, signs, extend Rizzo. Rizzo's my captain, wearing all those shirts, like the obvious shirts, which are awesome, by the way, wearing all of those. And I just, I kind of sat there in midway through the game. I kind of just, I had that feeling. I'm like, no, if I think Rizzo's gone. And I was saying that my friend and my group was like, no way that's happening. No way that's happening. And then lo and behold, a few weeks later, I get the notification on my phone walking through a mall in Florida. Rizzo's been traded. And I just sit down for about 20, 30 minutes and just think about like, man, I can't believe that happened. Yeah, honestly, you know, people always talk about events in their life, big events. Like you find out that you're having a baby or some other big news and you're like, you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing. That's kind of a moment for me with Anthony Rizzo. Cause I mean, I don't even realize it, but looking back, like I remember I was sitting in the bench at a baseball game. It was, <laughs> it was against the Phillies. That was a house league baseball game. But I was just sitting there. I'm like, I was shocked. I was like, I I thought I heard that wrong. I thought I heard that wrong. And I I checked. And I checked probably four or five times because I could not believe it. And it was just one of those moments where it was like, I'm not going to forget that. I don't think I'm ever going to forget that. And I don't know if the relationship between Hoyer and Rizzo right now is good enough for Rizzo would resign if Hoyer's still there. I think Rizzo desperately wants to be a Cub, but if you listen to this back and forth that's going on through the media right now, it, it doesn't sound like it's a pretty breakup at all. No, it, it's rough seeing how that went. Because when you, it was sad that Rizzo was the first one to go. Because when you heard Rizzo was going to go, you kind of figured like nobody's safe. You're like, everyone's gone now that Rizzo's here. It was just only a matter of time. And you're looking at Rizzo, you're looking – because he's kind of just – even though he probably wasn't the best player in 2016, I think Bryant was, uh, he was kind of the symbol of that era of Cubs baseball. And now that he's gone, it's kind of just like what happened. Like like where did time go is what, how I feel – is how I'm feeling. But it's awesome him play. But – I don't mind their return in the trade, honestly. It's it, it, but it's not about the return. It's about what that symbolized at the time. But the tra- trade was fine. I, I'm so fine with getting good with getting prospects that could develop and build the next Cubs team. I agree with Jed Hoyer 100 percent on that. Yeah, and and obviously you knew it was going to have to happen at some point. Yeah. You knew it was all going to fall down. I was just hoping it wouldn't be with Rizzo. I mean, I think. Like you said, if you had to have a candidate, 
for the next Mr. Cub, right? Ernie Banks, the Ernie Banks of this era, it'd be Anthony Rizzo. He's more than just a baseball player. And his, yeah, his, his career, like 285, whatever it is, right? But Anthony Rizzo Foundation in Chicago, him in a Cubs, seeing him in a Yankees jersey still doesn't register for me. And when he hit that home run in the first game of being a Yankee, I, I don't know. I was, that was tough. But Rizzo was, was more to Chicago than just another baseball player, yeah. right? To me, I feel like Baez, yeah, he had all that pizzazz, but he didn't have that same connection that Rizzo or Bryant really had. So that really didn't weigh on me as heavy when Baez went. Of course, like, I'm just – like, it's hard to not like Javi Baez. I would – yeah. The right. Javi trade – I love the Javi trade, honestly. I think the return's great. I think we honestly flee, fleeced uh, Cohen and the Mets. I was ha- I'm completely fine with trading Javi. Yeah. I was hoping Pro would- Armstrong. Yeah. I, we, we got some fun last names in this bunch of trades, right? And yeah. they, they, can, they can play ball as well, right? Pete Crow Armstrong, he was the 19th overall pick in the 2020 draft for the Mets. He's already one of their top five prospects. So Armstrong – he can flash the glove a little bit too. So he's an outfielder and he can handle the stick. So yeah, I mean, he's 10 for 24 so far in single A this season. So he's, he's looking good so far. I'm sure I have no doubt that he might be able to turn into a piece, but I mean, yeah, for Baez being gone on a one-year deal who might come back in free agency, you, you never know. I, so here's a, I don't know if this is a rant or, that players coming back in free agency, I don't think it's happening. I don't think there's a shot that that will happen. I think Bryant, Bryant's going to stay in San Francisco. I think they like him there, and I, I hope he stays there. I hope we don't I hope we don't re-sign any of them, to be 100% honest with you. Because earlier in the podcast when we were talking about the Andy Dalton signing, this was a few months ago, I talked about how the Bears, when they signed Dalton, this was before Fields, mind you, they were making moves – that were going to a straight line, not making any moves that made them go in a positive direction. What the Cubs are doing right now is the Cubs are doing the take one step back to go two steps forward. Sometimes you have to tear it down to go up. I feel if you go back and you go and re-sign Rizzo and you re-sign Brian, re-sign these guys, it's just a move that just goes like this. You want to have those young guys develop now. Jed made the decision. We're going to tear it down and we're going to have a team that's going to be ready for the future. That's going to be built for the next right Cubs team, which I agree with. I think that was the right move, but now you got to stick to your guns. You can't go back and re-sign Rizzo. Can't re-sign Baez. Can't re-sign Bryant. I, I agree with you there. I mean, you're right. Taking things down. We knew they had to tear it down at some point. And, and you're hundred percent on the point of taking one step back to go two steps forward. I just think that there, there is a chance that a guy like Baez or a guy like Rizzo might even take a pay cut to come back with the Cubs team just for a little bit. Right. I mean, I think it's possible. Maybe not Rizzo because of this debacle that's going on, but I wouldn't be shocked if you see a Cubs player resign. That's a stud, but I don't think we'll see him in bunches. I don't think we would see Bryant and Rizzo come back. I don't think we'd see that or Baez and Bryant come back. Right. We won't see two, but I would not be surprised if Baez came back, honestly, because here's the thing with Baez too, if you think about it, Baez is a guy that puts fans in the seats, 
right? Doesn't matter if you're on a winning team or a losing team, he's still going to make crazy plays. So from a kind of financial standpoint there, I would not be surprised. But like you said too, if they, I would not be surprised if they don't resign anyone and continue to try to make moves for the future. But speaking of the future, kind of shifting points right now. I know you were in training camp the other day. How did uh, our new number one, Justin Fields, look? This looks pretty good. So what I, so I'm gonna, I'm not gonna look too far into this, the stuff that happened. Because it was very, it's an interesting camp. So Nagy had the guys do goal line drills, and there's a few plays where Fields looked really good. And there's a and that and the big possession where they did, I think it was ten snaps from the, I think it was the two yard line, and a lot of them are running plays, and a lot of the running plays got got mad at the line, and a few were safeties, which wasn't Fields' fault. They were fine handoffs. I didn't, I didn't catch anything, but Fields really showed in some times in camp, what he can do. His arm is, his arm is really good, but what people need to talk about seeing in camp, when you hear reports about Justin Fields, about like, oh, maybe he missed some throws then and there. He's a rookie quarterback, but what I see out of him is the way a play, he lets a play develop. So he drops back and he's, he's surveying the field. And once and in camp, once that he that survey was done, he moved, which they didn't really love because if you have your quarterback moving in camp, you don't want him to get hit. You don't want him to get hurt in camp. So he wasn't able really able to scramble, but he sees the field and he sees just as well as he sees his receivers in the field, he sees the linebackers in front of him. Expect him to make a lot of running plays, a lot of a lot of stuff where he can use his feet. Unlike any Bears quarterback we've seen, I was shocked to see how much holes open up in the offense once Justin Fields uses his legs. And I think that's going to be – that was a big story with Mitch. As much as I hate comparing Mitch, as much as we say it on this podcast, which we talk about a lot, Mitch's feet, how much that made a difference, I think Fields is going to be able to use his feet and make let plays develop. And once that happens, he's able to break part of defense, the throwing's going to come easy to him. And that's what I saw at a camp. I saw his willingness to throw the ball, but his willingness to see that hole and run. He's going to be really, 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 really good in that two-dimensional way. So you're saying all these great things about Fields, which is good to hear, right? Yeah. And you want to start seeing those things, especially when you trade up and spend that much capital on a guy. I mean, I'll say it from the start, Fields is my number two. I'm, I'm a Fields homer. I like Fields. Yes. But – you were also telling me before we even started recording, we were talking a bit about while a lot of people think that Fields is the answer right away, he needs to start week one. There's also some pushback with Andy Talton in camp. And according to some things that I've heard, he's looking pretty good. Yeah, Dalton looks like how a veteran quarterback should look. He's making the plays, he's making the throws, and he looks very comfortable in the offense. It's what I've heard. It's what I saw from the day I was at camp. And it's what I've heard on Twitter and various media sources, including friend of the podcast, Jeff Dickerson. Um, Jeff. <laughs> he's looked comfortable. He's looked good. And I, I think he's going to be the solution for at least a little bit. 
you said before, what's your feeling on Dalton and how he and how his play will affect the Bears? So this is something that I'm going to hammer on for probably the entire season a little bit. I'm fine with the Kansas City mold that Nagy and Pace and the Bears are using right now. I'm all right with it. You look at that, I believe it was the 2017 Chiefs team with Alex Smith under center. It's a very similar situation. There are quite a few parallels between those two teams. Now, I'm not saying we have Tyree Hill or anything like that, but Alex Smith was kind of a guy like Andy Dalton, where he was a serviceable veteran quarterback who really hasn't had the greatest teams behind him. Dalton has been with the Bengals for years. He had A.J. Green there, but they never were really anything special besides a first-round playoff team. It was similar to Alex Smith when he was in San Francisco. He moves on to a team now where he has more weapons. About Komet, Mooney, you've got Allen Robinson, David Montgomery. And these are probably the best weapons he's had in his career, I would say. Maybe a year with the Bengals is probably better. I'd say A.J. Green is pretty comparable to Allen Robinson and their styles of play. Uh, yeah, I'd say that too. I, I think I think um, they both are very comparable. I think Allen is a better short route runner. A.J. Green's a better deep route runner, but I think A.J. Green's a little bit taller, so he has that more jump ball ability. But, yeah, i say they're all the same. Yeah, they're similar, right? So if Dalton is able to do – what happened in Kansas city and lead what Alex Smith did and lead his team into the playoffs and be a serviceable quarterback, which I have faith in Andy Dalton. I feel like he's, he's a fairly good quarterback. I wasn't, I wasn't happy with the signing just cause like you said earlier in the podcast, it's that line of mediocrity. Right. But out of all the guys we could have had, I, I like Andy Dalton. You know, I saw his Instagram post today with the quarterbacks. He's a good looking guy. He's got the red hair. But if he goes on and he's winning games for the Chicago Bears, that's fine. Keep him in there. Keep him in for the entire year. I don't care. If we make the playoffs, keep him in there. That's fine. This year is not our year. I'm saying that right now. The Bears are not winning the Super Bowl in 2021. Bold it's, prediction. It's Yeah, bold prediction. It's, it's not going to happen. But if Field is able to kind of get – some experience of to see what it's like to learn from these guys, to, to watch an NFL game right from the sidelines to kind of build up that energy to go in. I'm not saying he's going to go beat Patrick Mahomes, but it's kind of that same style of if Andy Dalton can win games for the Chicago bears and Fields is able to sit out and grow and learn, then that next year he comes back, he's going to be even better. Now, if Andy Dalton isn't winning, games for the Chicago Bears. It's a different story. That's it, a completely different story. Then you put Fields in, you get your quarterback experience to set you up for the future. But if Andy Dalton is winning games, I'm completely content with keeping him in there. I'm fine with him being the week one starter, but obviously everyone has their own uh, opinions on the matter right now. All that matters in those opinions are Matt Nagy, and he better hope those opinions don't get him fired. <laughs> I think Nagy is going to be safe for at least in a year or two um, with, with that. I think the big thing for the Bears is going to be that growth and seeing growth out of the team. If Dalton wins games, good. If he doesn't, I agree with you. Put Fields in. Um, I was listening to, I believe it was part of my take, which is like my favorite podcast ever, and Peyton Manning was a guest. 
and they asked his opinion on starting rookie quarterbacks. And he said, which I don't agree with this, but I respect the point. He thinks if you're going to draft a rookie quarterback early, he should be the starter week one, no matter what happens, because it just gives you reason to develop. And you, it comes from, and it's interesting that it comes from him saying that because when he got drafted in Indian, I believe 98, he came in and he, he sucked. He was not very good. He threw, he has the record for the most picks thrown by a rookie in a single season, which could be broken this year by Trevor Lawrence. That's my, that's a bold prediction. I think Lawrence breaks that record. Okay. But, um, Drew, Drew Locke couldn't manage to do that. No, no. Okay. <laughs> he played for four games. I'm surprised he didn't. He actually had a pretty, a pretty good rookie year. Oh, I could talk about Drew Locke all day, but I think I would put all of our uh, listeners to sleep if we were going to do that. So we're not going to do that. But um, Manning said, throw him to the wolves. I don't agree. I, I agree with you. I think we should try that Kansas city approach, especially that uh, Nagy feels comfortable with it, but this st- team can still very much compete. I think if green Bay, which now Aaron Rodgers is back. Yay. Yeah. Hopefully. And hopefully he's a Bronco knock on wood. Um, if he play, if he, Something falls apart in Green Bay, like it's something like it, it's looking like it could. Like there's still problems there. It's not like they're all fixed; they're just temporarily fixed. The Bears, Bears have a window, but it's just going to be a matter of a lot of things have to go right, and not much can go wrong for that to happen. So I think you just got to go for development, but also it's the NFL; anything can happen. So you could. So Dalton tried to win, and then once Dalton, the Dalton experiment kind of goes to bad, kind of like the Nick Foles thing. Put Fields in. Let's see, and let give the give a lot of the fans what they want. Yeah, and I'm kind of, you know, it's tough to disagree with a Hall of Fame quarterback who holds the single season touchdown passing record. Probably Manning, not, right? Really I mean, good. but you kind of look at recent history and some of these guys who have immediately started as quarterbacks, like Sam Darnold out in New York, he was quarterback from day one. And the whole league was talking about how he was seeing ghosts when he played the Patriots a couple of years back. He really hasn't recovered since, right? So he gets a fresh start with a new team, but that doesn't help Jets any bit, right? So, I mean, you look at Drew Brees, right? When he was with the Chargers, wait, and this is going way back. But Drew Brees immediately was a starter and he – he did not fare well until he went into a new system after gaining that experience, after gaining a new head coach. So obviously it's still going to be an experiment this year to see what Bridgewater does, but I'm personally on my beliefs, I'm okay with having him sit for a little bit, having him learn what an NFL game like, because an NFL game is way faster than a college game and a college game is way faster than a high school game and so on and so on. It takes time to adjust and adapt, right? For wide receivers, there's a rule. Usually it's like a third-year breakout rule. Obviously, you have new guys like Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb coming in and breaking all of these things, right? But typically, back in the day, the, the rule used to be on a wide receiver's third year is when they'd really start to break out. It takes time to process the NFL, right? And I feel like if Fields, Fields is a smart guy, he understands the situation, and when it's his time, I personally believe he's 
he's going to ball out, right? And we, you can already you already see some of these throws he's making in training camp on Twitter and whatnot. But yeah, so far things are looking good for the Bears in the future. Let's talk about Rodgers just just for a little bit because the Packers are probably the Bears' biggest concern right now. The Lions are are a mess with Jared Goff and. I'm not too worried about the Vikings right now with Kirk Cousins tapering off. Dalvin Cook is probably their best player right now. But do you think that there's a possible situation that something goes wrong and Aaron Rodgers leaves the team before the season starts or leaves the team in the middle of the year or just says, I'm not playing? Or do you think that this Band-Aid is going to be able to last for a year? I think the I think the temporary band aid was gonna is gonna last for a year. I think they're gonna they go make the playoffs. But the thing about Aaron Rodgers is he's such a he all everything for him is comes from someone doubting him. Someone wants revenge. And Green Bay, you know, they did a lot the Jordan Love draft pick. We've talked about this a million times. I think there's Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is going to be pretty good this year. I think he's going to be the same old Aaron Rodgers, and I think he's going to play, and I think he's going to play with all the heart that he's played with. It's just going to be a matter of can't what's going to happen with it. There's a lot of good teams in the NFC, and I, I don't think they're going to win the NFC. Well, they can't get that past the NFC championship, but I really do think there's going to be some issues with that team, not because of Aaron Rodgers, not because of their – Running not because of their passing. I think their defense is going to struggle, frankly. I don't think they're going to be able to stop that many people because, frankly, their defense is not that good. I'm doubting their defense right now. I think that's a big. I think that's a big concern there that they paid all this attention to stopping, making sure Aaron stays here another year. But now you look at their defense and they're not great. I mean, they have a few good pieces, but I really think their defense is not going to be anything special, and that's what's going to keep them from being great. That will be the issue. Yeah, and hopefully we can be saying the Bears are better than the Packers in a couple of years. That's the hope. But it's kind of funny, just to, to wrap things up here, if you look at all the Chicago teams right now, they're all in different stages, right? You yeah. Have the, you have the White Sox at the pinnacle of success right now. They've got the quote-unquote super team, right? They're having – uh, season that could end up with a ring on their finger, right? Then you kind of go down and you've got the Bulls. The Bulls are making moves. They're right in position. They're primed next season to be in that spot. You go down, you've got the Bears, right? The Bears are are kind of getting there. They're kind of on their way. They're kind of like last year's Bulls, right? In it's couple, hard, yeah. In a couple seasons, if they make the right moves, they could be in a place – that's very good. And then at the bottom of that list, you've got the Cubs who are just fully unloading all their talent right now into the pool to try to regain some strength. So it's it's kind of an interesting time to be a Chicago sports fan because it's all over the place with your Chicago teams. But, you know, hopefully at some point we can move past 1985 if, if Fields works out. <laughs> Agreed. I, I think that's I think that's the goal on it's been what we've wanted and it's a forward move. Everything's been forward for the Bears. Everything's been forward 
everything's been, even though it's been backward, I think things have been forward for the Cubs and then the White Sox and the Bulls have both been. Yeah, right before we wrap up, just one one last point as well. Because even if you look at the Packers, right, they have not been the greatest drafting team in history, right? But they've done one thing right. They've got the quarterback position right. And that's put them in a position to win every single year. And they haven't missed on that, right? And I feel like that's been the biggest piece – for the Bears, the Bears have the most Hall of Famers in NFL history. Bears have 30 Hall of Famers. It's more than any other team. But they only have one Super Bowl, right? And it's because our last great quarterback was a guy in the 1950s named Sid Luckman. So that's going to do it from Rivals Podcast. We enjoyed catching up with you on this bit. We're going to be with you for the rest of the year. Should be putting out content every single week. For Nolan Hamilton, I'm Jacob Siciliano signing off for the first Rival Podcast of this new year.